whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching the outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Have you ever looked up to the skies and seen something you can't explain? Or walked deep in the forest and sensed something watching you? Do you believe in an afterlife or a hidden veil that can communicate with the living? Then you need Shadows of Your Mind magazine. Download all issues completely free at shadowsmagazine.co.uk Shadows of Your Mind, where your search for the answers begins. Coming back from that break, folks, uh, straight back into the show. And next up, we have an audio clip sent in from the wonderful Dr. Simeon Hine. Simeon was on the show discussing remote viewing, aliens, UAPs, consciousness, and a whole host of topics as well. So we'll play the clip from Simeon just now. Hey, guys. So my one-on-one idea uh, that I'd like to leave behind forever is... Fleischmann and Pond's cold fusion experiment. At the time, it was ridiculed and labeled as junk science. I mean, yes, they didn't publish it in a peer-reviewed journal first, but hundreds of experiments have confirmed it since 1989. Uh, Bob Greenier at the Martin Fleischmann Memorial Project uh, has videos about this frequently, Uh, about how many researchers in Japan and Russia and other locations have uh, successfully reproduced cold fusion-like results. Uh, Even the uh, lecture I heard from Dr. Vittorio Violante in San Francisco at the SSE meeting in 2015, he, he said they had reproduced it in Italy very hard reaction to get going. It's very finicky. It can take a couple weeks, but it's definitely real. Okay, thanks. Simeon is a very eloquent uh, wordsmith, and you'll have learned that if you've ever read or heard any of his interviews. I'm going to come straight to our own resident expert wordsmith on this one, Dan. Dan, uh, you were a fan of Simeon, and you actually had recommended him to me as well for the podcast quite a while ago. So thank you very much for that. He's a really good guy. Um, But yeah, so um, Dan, take it away with this one, because I don't doubt there are listeners who have just heard what Simeon said and still a little bit perplexed. So basically what I think Simeon's getting at is the guys who discovered that cold fusion uh, would be a, a viable... Uh, you know, power source for us if it was able to be controlled um, were pretty much ridiculed um, for their claims. Yet years and years later, you know, I'd say decades later even, um, we're finding that actually the people who were ridiculing them were wrong. And that pattern in and of itself is pretty present in science, right? that someone will say something that's outside of other people's 
uh, you know, worldviews and be shot down for it only for, you know, decades or hundreds of years later for someone to go, oh, actually, we're not the center of the universe or discover gravity or discover general relativity or discover, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so I've, I've got to completely agree with Simeon there that I think that um, any any kind of ridicule doesn't have a place in science. Um, I, I think it was Walt Whitman. Whitman, uh, there was a really nice quote that was, uh, be curious, not judgmental. And I think that should be a, a kind of a guiding principle of scientists. Absolutely. And I think in terms of UFOs and UAPs, cold fusion is one of those things that you look at as a potential power source as well. Um, and is this something that if, if you're doubting it and you're, you're knocking it now, that like we touched on previously, you're going to miss out on that as a viable option for, for building any sorts of vehicles that we could potentially use. Is that something you would think he's getting at too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, any anything like that is going to deliver huge amounts of energy. So when we're wondering about what could be powering these things that are doing these crazy maneuvers in the skies um, and moving through different mediums, um, this is the stuff that we need to be looking at. And we've wasted decades making fun of people when we could have been further down this road already. Yeah. Gaucho. So, yeah, the doubting of people like uh, Fleischmann Pons, uh, doubting of anyone who is, you know, thinking outside the box, the doubting of people who could be coming up with that new power source, maybe not even our next new power source, but one that's three, four, five generations down the line. What are your thoughts on that one? I think we have to obviously keep this one, even though I keep thinking back at how we threw the scientific method into room 101 <laughs> <laughs> earlier. Yeah. But, um, uh, but this is a good example too. what, like what Dan was saying, um, this is a good example of why we threw the scientific method into room 101 right here is a clear example of the scientific community, not being able to think outside the box, not being able to see the bigger picture and limiting their ideas on their concepts to a idea, to a construct or something that they were taught to believe instead of really pushing the boundaries. So, I, I mean, Science, like I said, science is interesting, and it's always been one of my favorite subjects when I was younger. Not so much now that I'm older, but I'm just saying uh, it's going to definitely be a power player in in understanding how the craft work and their propulsion systems and all that stuff. Obviously, we need science, um, but we also need people that are going to push the boundaries and, and think outside the box. So this one, we keep. I, I would keep this one definitely. Uh investigative journalist tim mcmillan who's part of the debrief group now um mm -hmm. really great guy someone who will definitely be back on the podcast next year if, if he'll have us uh, if we'll give him that time again um tim uh, talked about the department of energy being somewhere that he would focus attention on for you know uap and ufo information given if you had any sort of interest in craft of such advanced technology you would want to know how that is propelled and how it's fueled and it's it's these sorts of things that the department of energy would have an interest in and definitely have a keen interest in, in finding out and getting for itself as well um yeah dave when it mm. comes to you know the doubting of these sorts of energies or propulsions is it a clean sweep that you're going to be keeping this one in as well yeah, I think so, because I remember reading in a magazine called Atlantis Rising about 20 years ago um, that they were talking about 
rolling out Cold Fusion back then. Um, and then it got swept away because, you know, for the precise reasons that um, Mine was talking about, mainstream science just doesn't want to know something that challenges the paradigm, which I think is the antithesis of what science is. Um, I mean, if you want to know more about cold fusion, then a good quick fix would be on Jeremy Corbell's Extraordinary Beliefs website um, and a video called Custodians of Fire, in which he goes to a scientist who is actually trying to create cold fusion in his workshop. You know, and that's a really good kind of introductory level for people who want to know what cold fusion is. I'll, um, I'll be checking just, it out myself, yeah. And yeah, even, it's just, even a little bit further back than that, you look at Nikola Tesla as a name that we all know and yeah. fascinated by as well. This is someone who managed to, if it's, it's believed, and I'm one of those people that does absolutely believe that Nikola Tesla managed to do the things that people say he done, that have never been replicated since by other scientists that we know of. No doubt they have in, in some markets in you know different ways, but yeah. Tesla managed to you know create electricity. He said himself that these methods to you know power things and electricity and you know it's everywhere. It's all around us. It's it's in nature. It's just how you harness it. Yes, and I think Tesla got beaten down. I mean, this probably might be an unpopular point with you your American listeners, but he got beaten down by Thomas Edison. Yeah. You think about the electricity wars, you know, the current wars. Um, you have Edison promoting DC current and Westinghouse and Tesla promoting the ACE, the alternative current, which eventually was the, you know, the uh, preferable method of transferring electricity into powering loads of, loads of different businesses, homes and all that. And it's when it started getting popular that Edison caught on to it and surpassed what Westinghouse and Tesla had done and therefore was able to start charging money for it and took all the credit. There's so many things like that. You don't have to look too far back in our history as no. to, to why things are the way they are or why we use what we use in so many different parts of society is because of there was an option A and an option B and one of those won out. 50 60 70 years ago i remember reading and if anyone knows of this this is wrong correct me but the reason that hemp uh, and you know marijuana and whatnot is so highly illegal these days was to do with the paper industry that when hemp was coming along as a viable alternative to paper the paper industry being huge and much much bigger at the time than it even is now managed to basically use the powers that they had and the persuasion that they had to force the hemp industry to basically write onto the back burner and almost being, I've got Dan nodding along there. So yeah. So mm. is that, that is right, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and it, it's a really good example of something that it started as just a way of maintaining that business. And all these years later, you have all these kind of myths and wife tales about, about it that have just kind of trickled down um, through a game of telephone. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like the pharmaceutical industry and the use of medicinal marijuana. I mean, you just see how popular CBD has got in the last few years. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, the pharmaceutical injury in, industry, sorry, they've always kind of fought against it, but now they see the profit in it. They're pushing it as hard as they can. Yeah. Oh, and I went back to uh, Los Angeles a few years ago. 
and it, uh, marijuana was legalized, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen, guys. I don't know what the laws are like where you are, um, but it was crazy to go back and see like family members and just people, you know, that I grew up with. Everyone was smoking weed or using it in some, you know, in some way or form for some sort of pain or some sort of, uh, you know, stress reliever. And growing up, obviously, as a kid over there, it was like uh, those people that were now smoking weed, if they had caught me smoking weed when I was younger, I probably would have been in a lot, a lot of trouble. So it was really like going into the twilight zone. It was crazy. So it's all about money. I don't, actually, I don't actually know what the UK laws are on it now, only because I've never actually smoked like cigarettes, like never. I think, I'm fat, so yeah. I think marijuana is, well, <laughs> smoking weed is illegal as far as I'm aware, but CBD, as long as it doesn't contain that particular. Yeah, you, you can chemical. buy like CBD oil and like oh, yeah. know, loads I mean, of like I've, shops. I've yeah. taken it for like carpal tunnel syndrome. And it cleared that up within two weeks. Whereas if I was taking regular pills subscribed by the doctors, and all right, this is probably a contentious subject. Mm. And you might get into trouble with Andy, but, you know, CBD works better than the prescribed medicines. Listen, those that is a conversation for another day and uh, gateway yeah. drugs and everything <laughs> yeah. like that is... Uh, yeah, it's it's late in recording time uh, over here as well, so I don't want to keep the guys too much longer. We've still got a bit to go through as well. Um, so listen, was that a, a clean sweep keep across the board that we should be looking at people like Fleischman Pons and those types of, you know, whether you want to call them radicals or free thinkers or outside the box scientists to really yeah. be pushing forward? Yep. So we should be keeping that, that sort of ideology and thinking. Yep. Keep, keep, keep. Awesome. Love it. Good stuff. Next up, we have a tech submission. Uh, you'll know Jay as Project Unity. Um, Jay had his interview back, God, it seems like so long ago now, with Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal after the New York Times article broke earlier in 2020. Uh, Jay's submission, I'll read out for you. So he'd like to throw old school UFO channels into Room 101. Uh, we don't need corny sci-fi music or YouTube channels with cartoon saucers and alien in their intros. If we want serious discussion, then we need to distance ourselves from this type of presentation. We need to make the subject more palatable for a wider demographic, more acceptable, and in order for that to happen, I think certain aspects of the UFO community need to mature. One of those being the way in which we uh, information is presented, how researchers present themselves, the priority shouldn't be entertainment, it should be education. So uh, we'll start off with Dave for this one. Um, Jay yeah. making the point now, he's a very successful YouTube channel now. He's had his fireside chat, some really good interviews, some good insight. Jay has his uh, angle and a lot of you know consciousness, and that seems to be a lot of his expertise as well. He feels that cartoon presentations need gone. And it should be education over an entertainment aspect. What's your thoughts? I think he's got a point. Um, you know, I had a good chat with Jay on one of his videos as well, where we talked about a lot of stuff, but old school videos where you have got the gifts coming in, you have got a load of rubbish, you know, you have animations, the X-Files music or whatever. That has no place really. 
um, anymore. You're looking at like Secure Team 10, all those videos. Um, right, I have to come in quickly because anyone who's well, just found the show uh, and more and more listeners are listening to my recent episodes and I can see in the analytics going back and finding the earlier episodes. Now, my first eight episodes or nine have the X-Files music as their intro <laughs> and outro and it was a bit of like a, a trance remix I found of it. I really liked it at the time, but then very early on realised, and Dan, I think we had a conversation when we first kind of got talking, that I was like, do you know what? I've got a tone that I like on the podcast and a level of guest and conversation I like on the podcast. And maybe the X-Files music isn't what I'm looking for necessarily. And while it worked for those initial episodes, I'm actually going to go back over Christmas and New Year and on those original episodes, I'm going to erase a bit of history. I'm going to edit them a little bit to change the, the audio levels. And I'm going to change the intro and outro on them too. So it's got the more up-to-date music. Because like you say, I, I don't feel the X-Files music necessarily hits the tone that I wanted for the content yeah. of what was in the interviews. No, but you can see it from a creator's point of view as well. I mean, they, they're trying to create videos and get hits in you know, a medium that is so saturated by this kind of stuff that they want to try and stand out. So they will add different things and they will try and make it a little bit jokey, a little bit more friendly. But at the end of the day, it serves no purpose. Yeah, it's a fair show. Uh, And Jay never mentioned any particular channels. Um, So we'll move over to Undead Gaucho, who has his own YouTube channel on UAP UFOs. (laughs) But yeah, Gaucho, what's your thoughts as as a YouTuber, which is what you are, like Jay, um, yeah. who comments on UFO, UAPs, aliens, ETs, all those descriptive words that Deep Prasad doesn't like. What are your <laughs> thoughts then on, on that sort of presentation? Well, first off, uh, it's cool to see Jay on here because I was on the Fireside chat recently, had a good a good talk with him. He's you a cool are. guy. Um it's kind of a tricky subject. I know what he's saying. Definitely, he's referring to like, uh, like what Dave brought up with Secure Team Ten, and and uh, I don't want to say this, but like Third Phase of Moon, because it just seems, you know, I feel like I'm tapping the shoulder of a giant there because they have so many subscribers, so many people watch their stuff. Um, but it's it's uh it's difficult for me in the sense of like I would love to create some sort of alternative entertainment for people to watch that could actually educate while like inspiring motivating and entertaining people and uh I've had so so many comments on my videos like that music sucks take that music off or <laughs> or uh why did you put that filter on? Like I almost passed out, you know, or like crazy stuff. And, uh, I grew, I've grown over time and learned how to edit better and learned like how not, how not to be, you know, overuse stuff. Or I've tried to like, keep it simple for people. Cause I also don't want to throw people off or step on any toes. I want them to pay attention to the, to the information that I'm talking about. But I do know that, um, there is a big, in my opinion, part of the entertainment factor that we're missing. For example, The Phenomenon was an amazing movie, uh, amazing documentary, mm-hmm. right? But not everybody wants to watch a documentary. That's why most of our audience is, we're all adults. 
right? The kids don't care about UFOs because it's not interesting to them. They might think like, oh, yeah, UFOs, oh, cool, yeah. I'll wear a T-shirt with, an, with a little green alien on it. Um, but aliens aren't green, and there's a whole story behind it that they have to learn that the, the younger generations and the, the general public has to learn. I feel like uh, To the Stars Academy is trying to you know, create entertainment as well to help educate because I think it's necessary too. So I get what Jay's saying and I agree some, we can't be cheesy. You know, if we make something, it's entertainment. It has to be good and it has to be respectable and it has to stick to the data. So like, I don't know, just for an an example, right. Um, In say you make a film about uh, abductees or something and you put a character in there and, um, you use uh, the character's name is John, but he's fully based on John Mack. So everything, the character is basically John Mack and you throw him in there as a, as a main character in the film and say you use, I don't know, a famous actor or somebody that has a big following. What that's going to do is take a younger audience or the fans of that actor to learn who John Mack is. And then when you go on your press junket and you talk about your film, you don't just say like, oh, yeah, this is a movie about aliens. You say this is a movie about aliens and abduction and it's a phenomenon that affects da, 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 da. You break it down. You say the character is John Mack. You know who John Mack is. You tell that on the press junket. We could do it. We have to just follow. Uh, we have to follow the right path when we create entertainment. So, And listen, like, I've just checked here, John. So entertainment uh, for its definition is a form of activity that holds the attention and interest of an audience or gives pleasure and delight. So in its sense, uh, Jay and your YouTube channel is entertainment. This podcast is entertainment. We are having um, debates on different topics within the UFO, UAP phenomenon or the community, uh, but we're framing it in an entertaining way. It's just a different way of having a very similar conversation as to what's had. So for me, I think it depends on, like you say, entertainment. This this whole area, anything you watch is is entertainment. There's very little that you'd put down to being pure education other than watching someone do a slideshow. But even then, how they dress up that slideshow can be classed as entertainment. So using music using sound effects using different effects and visuals is all a form of entertainment but i do understand that there can be it can go too far the other way where it starts to become like you say clickbait or likes um you mentioned ttsa and i'll, I'll bring dan in on this one tom DeLong's just finished uh, he just finished filming is it monsters of california it's called which is going to be one of the first ttsa products uh, as part of the movie company that you feel given the direction they're going in with the books and, you know, the Poe Anderson series and, and that sort of stuff, there are there are hints of truth in what they're putting out and anything they do. And that's what this series is going is going to look to continue, Dan, is that right? Um yeah, that's the idea. Um I'm not sure of monsters out of California. I know the Secret Machines movie that's kind of further down the pipe. We'll definitely be doing that. Um but I think I think at the very least, Monster California will, you know, contain monsters and kind of myths and teach people about the the different things that are out there that go bump in the night, you know, so they can start having conversations about e- these Easter things. eggs. I believe they call them, don't they? They'll have Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I'm 
fairly sure I just agree with you guys on this, to be honest. You know, there, there's value in entertainment. There's value in approaching something in a novel way. Um, I thought that uh, Unidentified and the phenomena uh, re- really kind of set the bar in terms of approaching the subject in a respectable manner. Uh, and then a film we've already spoken about this evening, uh, Gulf of Silence, kind of really did the fictional thing in a very, very similar similar way, you know, just very straight-faced. I'm going to just tell people a really entertaining story, and by the time they're done, they're, they're picking up little bits of truth and hopefully a bit of curiosity. And for um, me, though, and, and something as I, I just want to add, and as a podcaster, I've got an audience of generally what I would presume from what I see and from what I hear and feedback-wise, and, and Dave, I'm, I'm guessing it's the same for yourself and, and hmm. John on your channel, it's generally very much UAP, UFO enthusiasts, people who are already interested in the subject. There aren't a whole host of mainstream people tuning in, maybe the, the odd one or two, but that's the same across the subject. It's it's the entertainment value that's going to get those different eyes in. And this is where the phenomenon and other documentaries or other entertainment vehicles to get other eyes on this on this topic, we need to have some sort of entertainment value in there for them to get that interest. And if it gets them thinking about the subject or get them involved, then that can only be a good thing. And again, let's go right back to season one of Unidentified. It retold the story basically of the, the Nimitz, Nimitz Tic Tac event and you know the fallout from that and the you know the Catalina Islands and all that sort of stuff, which people there was a lot of people weren't happy with it because it was that I know that already, show me something new. And it was like, but then this isn't necessarily made for you. If you know this already, you're one of the 1%. We want to aim this at the, the rest who don't know this story, who we want to get involved in the subject, that are going to open it up to a much, much bigger audience. Yeah, that'll benefit people who have magazines, podcasts, YouTube channels, TV shows, you know, companies that want people to invest and buy stocks in. That's great, but it also helps the whole cause in general, the disclosure movement. It helps get more mainstream science on board. If you want to talk about TV shows out there, you know, in the UK, you've got things like, you know, the Graham Norton show, Jonathan Ross show. Over in the US, you've got Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, you know, whichever it's Saturday Night Live. You want on these shows, these topics being brought back into the mainstream in a serious way. But there's got to be, for the most part, some sort of entertainment value attached to that, I feel. And that, that's just my opinion. But that's how this topic grows and grows and grows. It doesn't necessarily grow with, with PowerPoint presentations. No, but at the same time, there is, you know, you can go too far and it will become a bit of a gimmick. But then you can go too far the other way and it's just a boring conversation. Absolutely. It's going to turn people off within... 20 seconds because of the attention span that most people have these days. Can, can I ask a, a blunt question that I think gets to the heart of it? And I just want a yes or no from each of you. Oh, Dan, <laughs> I like it. It's taken over. Uh, do, <laughs> uh, do, do you think that the approach that Ancient Aliens takes is relevant in 2020? To be honest, I've barely watched any Ancient Aliens because of that. Well, I think that says that one, uh, John. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's it's an old school approach, definitely. Yeah. Andy, I mean, the question you're asking me, Dan, it's a yes and a no from me. 
Uh, I could do an absolute nan on that one if you can want. You, can you score it out of 10 for me, please? Yeah, 12. No, uh, do you know, I, I do sort of want to say yes and no, though, and uh, th- this is one of the listeners' points. Uh, for. Do you know what? Let me just mention this one right now because it's, it's got its place. Uh, we have um, Geezy uh, on Twitter who wanted to get rid of everything Ancient Aliens from the TV show to the authors like Von Daniken, Harsh, Hancock and Childress. The influence is toxic, fraudulent arguments, magical thinking, expertise rejected for conspiracy theories. And um, it's fun to talk about, but the stuff's fantasy. Uh, so thanks for sending that one in. It was just a good place to, to put that with Dan bringing it up. I, I like the idea of Ancient Aliens um, and the the audience it may attract, like I say, from the mainstream to bring in, I think though a lot of what it discusses goes into that pure fantasy realm that that Dave mentions goes the other way, where it's it's far from boring, but it's it's the taglines, isn't it? Ancient astronaut theory would suggest, and it's like there's there's elements in there that I think are correct and true, but I think it's got a lot of people involved in that show that have gone so far the other way that. As people have said to me in the past, and sources, if you want to call them that and whatnot, there are there are names out there who are just in this for the money now, who at one point were in this for the right reasons, who who did know a lot and knew the right people and wanted to get a message out there. But at some point, the checks started coming in and the book deals start coming in and the subscriber list grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's where they have to they kind of have balance that. Do they want the kind of morals or do they want the message or do they want the money? Um, so I think Ancient Aliens is far more fantasy now than than any sort of educational tool. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think I've just yeah. answered like Dan would answer a question, <laughs> so I can't I can't really get angry at Dan now when he does that. <laughs> Did you guys see uh, Sukalos on Twitter the other day? He said, "Good job, UFO Twitter. You guys have uh, profiled yourselves without even realizing." Uh, basically because we use the hashtag UFO Twitter. <clears throat> and I thought that was funny because he's like a living meme. So I was yes. like, yeah. it's literally like a profile. There's nothing like how much more profile do you want to be? You're the, you're the, the aliens guy. I mean, like it's, I, I, I would love, I would love someone who listens to this episode to jump on a meme generator. I could do it myself, but I want to see if anyone <laughs> does this and just make the, the Sukalis meme of him doing, you know, the famous pose and when it normally says aliens, it just says hashtag UFO Twitter. And I, yes. I, I, I will use that in messages going forward. So if you do that, tag at UFO, UAP, AM, tag Gaucho, tag Dan, tag Dave. Um, and yeah, I might, I might send the first person that does it like a t-shirt or something. Might send them one out. One actually, I might. Um, I will get you one of Signal's patches and send it out for the first person that does that. Okay, and that that is well worth having. So, um, what are we saying then for the the entertainment value? And I'm trying to frame it because Jay makes a good point, but it's just trying to frame exactly what we're saying as as entertainment as such. So, Gaucho, are we keeping or consigning to room one hundred one? Oh, this is a tricky one. It is. Yeah, because I know what he's saying. Look, if he's talking about cheesy, cheesy, you know, X-Files music and cheesy channels just making us look bad because they're not taking the topic seriously, then 
I mean, sometimes these people are, are new. I, I think that, I, I know I can't speak for Jay, but I'm going to have to hear. Yeah. I, I think he does mean that, and it is that yeah, not taking the topic seriously. Yeah, I know, I know that's what, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he means too. So yeah, that, that could go in room 101, definitely. Cool, so we've got a bin, Dan? Get it in there. Get it in <laughs> there, another bin, Dave? Yeah, we don't need like Looney Tunes sound effects when a UFO zips off. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I, I feel uh, I'm more than happy been in that because my first episode of a podcast you can use as a prime example, <laughs> X X Files intro, and then I had a an hour and forty five minute interview with Gary Voorhees, spy one radar operator, talking about the Nimitz Princeton incident. I, I thought there was some good questions. I mean, I was very new to this; it was my first ever interview. It was a notepad, and I, I mean that's not changed. It's still a notepad now, and some basic questions. But yeah. I know the production value has got better, like Gaucho, and you talked about that as well, and you get better at editing, your your levels get better. You know, one of my poor reviews on iTunes was because they couldn't hear me, and I realised one of the episodes, early episodes I recorded and hadn't run it through a, a levelling piece of software I use that changes the, the audio to be a better quality. So it's amazing what you can do in a shed, trust me, people. So, yeah, but no, that's, that's a good one. Thank you very much, Jay from Project Unity, and make sure you're checking out and subscribing to Jay's YouTube channel. Dave, do you want to come in on that one? Yeah, I think um, I'd better come clean, and what people don't realise is that on the cover of every issue of Shadows in Your Mind, um, you've got a bit of tabulator notation from the X-Files team. <laughs> that's Which, funny. You know, he's like, I gotta come clean. It's, it's, it's like an Easter egg, you know. You can only see it under UV light. No, I was, oh, I, for, do you know? I was actually for a second there going, <laughs> really, and then I started thinking that wouldn't work on a screen. I don't think. So yeah, no, very, <laughs> very good. Do you know what I did think for a second though? You know how like um, you can get books and on the spine, like the Mister Men series. If you buy yeah, all yeah. fifty books, it's got like a picture on the side. If you've done yeah. something like that for the X-Files for your magazines, but you'd have to... Or a note from the Close Encounters theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. That would be good. Um, listen, folks, two more guest submissions left. Next up, uh, a man, again, who is no stranger to controversy. Uh, I don't want to hype him too much, but it is Joe Murgia, UFO Joe, as you may know him on Twitter. So we're going to play Joe's clip right now. Joe Murgia here, a.k.a. UFO Joe 11 on Twitter. And the first candidate to be put into room 101 is anybody who claims to know the truth about the phenomenon. It's extraterrestrials. It's interdimensionals. It's time travelers. I know that's the truth. Listen to me. You don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. So anybody who is certain about what the phenomenon represents needs to go in room 101. And then on a more serious note, in February of 2018, on Giuliano Marankovic's show, Luis Elizondo introduced the world to his muddy boots that have left muddy boot prints all over the world in kitchens everywhere for the past Three years. Come on, Lou. Three years. Clean your boots. Put them in the wash machine. No more muddy boot prints. That's it. Retire them to room 101. 
And hopefully everybody has a great Christmas and a great holiday season. So that was UFO Joe, Joe Murgia, again, one of the guests back on the podcast in the summer. Uh, Joe uh, had his own controversies when he famously under, over, or just hyped enough the the New York Times article that was rumoured to discuss crash retrieval programs, you know, potentially having recovered discs, all that sort of stuff, and it never quite came out to the level we hoped. Uh, and obviously after that, people talked about the debate, should the UFO community online, not even just Twitter, be discussing all that kind of stuff and the detail that it, it was discussed, you know, sources, etc. But yeah, check out my interview with uh, UFO Joe, Joe Murgy, and he's going to come back on the podcast next year as well, hopefully on one of the round tables. That would be really good to hear. But Joe um, has put in there, and I like this one. Uh, well, the first one was Lou Elizondo's muddy boots, and he wanted Lou to get a new pair of clean boots. And I'm sure Lou, Lou will be doing that in 2021. But his main point was he wanted to put anyone who knows the truth about the phenomenon, anyone who claims to know what is going on, he wants them right in room 101. I think I can see how this one will go. I'll start off with Dave uh, on this one. Dave, what are your thoughts on those who claim to know exactly what is going on? I feel this is my TR3B thing for the week. <laughs> Are you sure that was Joe and it wasn't Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys? <laughs> she has the same kind of, kind of, yeah, maybe Joe is the Jello Biafra of <laughs> UFO Twitter. But yeah, he got it spot on. Um, yeah, people who know, who claim to know the truth are usually the same people who stick it behind paywalls um, and ask for super chats on YouTube. And I'm sure we can guess of a few names. Um, they rhyme with Shavid, Gilcock and uh, bory food and um, maybe even leaving leaving fear you know they kind of know they claim to have the truth but you have to pay for the truth um and if there is no truth because basically the phenom- phenomena doesn't want you to know what it is so let let me ask them just to play devil's advocate here mm. you're saying about paying for the truth and being behind a paywall yeah, but you enjoyed the phenomenon, the the yeah. documentary. Yep. So, yeah. where where do you say the line is where you pay for the phenomenon to watch it? Yeah, and you would pay for Doctor Greer's conversation or one of those others that you named in rhyming slang. No, because uh, James James Fox wasn't claiming that he had the truth. He was just exposing a cover up. And the others have made hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years purporting to know the truth. And it's only their truth that they're, sh- that they're um, broadcasting. Everyone else is wrong. You just have to listen to them. It's like cult worship or guru worship at the end of the day. But he's spot on about Lee Redis on those muddy boots. You know, it's just manners. You know, dust them off on the mat before you go in. Come on. I knew this would be a talking point when you put that one in there as well. But listen, with the the James Fox thing, I want to mention, I'm fully supportive and I'm with you on this one as well. It is just that there's a a line between where you're, James Fox, I feel you're funding someone who who can take the discussion and the movement on to another level with the the next project. Yeah, he spent his time and his money and his, you know, the hours putting in the work to produce a film that he wanted to release and hopefully get people talking about it. The other people that 
I kind of hinted at. They just go onto YouTube and they just go onto different channels and post rubbish and they're just in it for clicks and what they can get out of it, you know, like building million dollar mansions and just acting like some kind of, I don't know. It's a bugbear, put it that way. I mean, I am far from building a million dollar mansion just for, for anyone who wants to question about setting up for the patreon as the guys will know i can't turn the heating on in the room i'm in when i'm recording because <laughs> it makes too much noise on the microphone as they found out so yeah uh, that mansion seems a long way off at the minute but yeah you're right i feel there's a credibility thing there with someone like james fox who i know the the tone of the material he's going to put out i know the <laughs> people involved and I'm happy. To, I feel I'm investing and you're giving a little something back for the quality of the content you're going to get. And you're going to learn something as opposed to other sites where you're paying for information that either should be free, which I know is something, yeah. Dan, we've spoke about before. And I'll bring you in on this one in a second, Dan, because um, there's been conversations Dan sent me on in the past and said, oh, listen to this. And then you click on the link and it's, oh, sorry, it's behind a paywall. Um so yeah, there's there's definitely a fine line there, but that that's one that James Fox and and what he's done, I, I feel no. Uh, Jeremy Corbell as well. I, I have no issue paying for the, for that product. Um, yeah. Dan, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, paying for quality produced, informative content is one thing. That that's where I would put you know Jeremy Corbell, James Fox. They they're on our team in search for the truth. They don't claim to have it. They claim to be searching for it. Whereas you look at the other guys uh, in that rhyming slang and you're exactly right. They claim to have the truth. Certain ones will even give you the names of beings. I'm doing bunnies. Uh, your listeners can't see it. Uh, <clears throat> names of beings that you know you can clearly see is a reflection of a camera flash or you know a silhouette of someone if you just turn the photo exposure up a little bit. Um, there, there is no truth that lives in anybody's wallet. I would simply say that. I like, oh, that's a that's a damning, damning statement. But I like it though. There's no truth that lives in anyone's wallet. Very interesting. Uh, and Gaucho, what are your thoughts on that? Again, as as a content creator yourself, um, how, how do you feel about those who claim to know the truth? Um, it's actually something that I've had trouble dealing with I, I made a post once on twitter i filmed a little clip and i said like don't trust any ufo gurus out there trust yourself do your own research because nobody knows the truth we're all just searching for it and um and yeah some of those names that that they brought up there in his rhyme <laughs> were pretty like it's pretty funny to me that people actually think that if someone was in contact with an extraterrestrial being that the extraterrestrial enlightened creature or, you know, species or whatever would be okay with the other, per with the human making money off of making contact with them. Like, I feel like that's the most ridiculous part of it all. Like, how does that even make sense? It makes no sense at all. And when people fall for that, again, we come back to this thing where it's like, everyone wants a guru humans have this thing where like everyone wants a leader everyone wants a um to follow somebody and you got to be careful for false prophets so 
Are you saying that those beings wouldn't be happy paying between two and three thousand dollars to <laughs> see their craft appear or materialize off the coast of a beach? No, that's what I'm saying. And if they are happy with that, then that's the cra- that's even that's even crazier. <laughs> and and <laughs> if, you, if you are happy with that, Gaucho does it for a thousand dollars a time. So yeah, <laughs> I'm up on his YouTube channel. Yeah, no, like there's no way. Like imagine knowing the secrets of the universe and then being like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to charge people for it. That's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I, like I, I, do you know what? I, I, this takes me back to, I remember once, and this was in the early days of eBay and the internet when I used to have like AOL 7.0 on a CD-ROM for, for, the, <laughs> the, for the adults out there and, on the interweb listening. Um, and I remember just like messing about on eBay one night and I was a kid. I was like 12, tw- 11, 12. And um, someone was selling the cure for cancer on eBay for $10,000. And I remember just reading the description and I was curious and they mentioned, I always remember this, it was in the description that it was all about vibration. And the reason they justified that they put it online, they knew they'd be questioned was, I'm only selling this because it will be to a serious bidder and someone who wants to know. That's why I'm charging this money for it rather than giving it away for free. Obviously, I didn't have the cash. I was I was like bid on that one. Massively. How many did he have available? <laughs> Just the one. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, forty-two available. I say forty-two because of Hitchhiker's Guide, I think. But yeah, forty-two. Yeah. But yeah. So listen, yeah, I, I totally get you on this one, and I think this one will be a clean sweep again. So I'll start with Gaucho. Um, are we sending that to room one hundred and one, or are we keeping those who claim to know the truth? No, they're in. They're definitely in room one hundred and one. They got room one hundred one written on their forehead, so yeah, they're going in. Dan, for sure. Uh, I'd say the truth is that those people have been in room one hundred one <laughs> since the day they were born. But if you want to go in with them, you have to pay a small <laughs> fee, and they will show yeah, exactly. give you a guided tour of the room. <laughs> and Dave, um, well, I'd like to propose that we've actually put them in a human centipede situation before we put them in room one hundred one. And see wow. how they deal with that. Uh, I will let the listeners create an own, their own image in their head of any of those gurus we talked about before in that human centipede situation. I'm sure they will be a cuttlefish. Folks, I've got one more uh, guest submission. Then I'm going to ask Dan, Dave and John for theirs and then run through a few listener suggestions as well. Um, the, there will be another episode of bonus suggestions from the listeners because, let's say, there are still about 30 or 40 I have to, to get through, but I couldn't put them all on a show. This is going to be a two-parter in itself anyway, but it'll be one of those bonus shows that get released over the festive period as well. Speaking of the festive period, this last guest is someone who I don't necessarily agree with most of what they say or do on, on Twitter or online. So uh, this is one that I let the guys know about and uh, you won't be able to see their cameras obviously listening to the audio, but this was one I I let them know uh, who was going to be giving a submission for the podcast. It's a time of giving and it's a time of, you know, reaching out, you know, hands, hands of friendship across there. Mick West is someone who creates a lot of controversy on Twitter. He has a lot of people who listen and follow him. He's been brought up on, you know, Joe Rogan podcast. He's appeared on various different shows. However, uh, I asked Mick to give me a suggestion for Room 101. Um, Gave him the idea for the show. And Mick uh, has very kindly agreed to, to give us 
one of uh, one of his suggestions. So, gents, Mick would like to see deleted the assumption that he only cl- he is only claiming to explain. Sorry, I'll edit that. Mick would like to see deleted the assumption that I'm only claiming to explain all UFOs when I'm only explaining a single case. For some reason, whenever I propose an explanation for one case, some people will immediately say, and I quote, but that does not explain, dot, dot, dot. So Mick feels that when he is explaining, or let's just say debunking online, that it's just that one case and he's not talking about all UFO cases in general. I'd just like to say thank you again uh, for Mick for sending over a submission and I will let the gents take this one away. Dave, do you want to kick Mm. us off with um, the assumption that Mick is explaining all UFO cases and debunking all UFO cases? Okay, I will put my cards on the table right now and say I want to keep Mick West. Because I think he does try. And I have mass respect for Mick for the work he did on Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game because that was, you know, a big part of my growing up when the PlayStation came out. Um, But I think he has made a rod for his own back um, with his garage experiments. And I don't think that although he means well and he's trying to get his point across... He may have approached it the wrong way. I mean, um, lit- he literally made a rod with soap on the end of it. <laughs> he did. But at the end of the day, he is only working with what we're all seeing. You know, it's just that one video. He hasn't got access to the full data, so he doesn't have all the information. He's just working with what we can all see and his methodology and his conclusions are debatable. And I think there will be a lot of people that agree with that. Um, but at the same time, he's doing something that nobody else has done. He's asking a question, you know, can this be replicated? Can we actually put a different spin on this and try and approach it from a different perspective? Which, you know, I applaud him for his for his effort. So, you know, I'd rather keep him in and chuck him in room 101. And that, and that's Mick himself. Not that he's explaining all cases, but yeah, that, I, I like that. Okay, so thank you, um, Dan. It's just funny. <laughs> what, what do you say to Mick West? Well, I mean, honestly, though, what what do you think when when he's explaining a single or debunking? Because he's he's used the word explaining, but it's debunking. So when he's debunking using his methods, what what do you think? I, I don't think that's where he's asked, though. I feel like Mix asked me how I feel about him feeling attacked. Well, he is. Uh, there's an undertone of that. Like, I don't think... Yeah, okay, okay. I, I, I think I've got my in. Okay, go on. In, in response to Mick's submission, I have to say that I don't think people assume that he's explaining all cases. I, I think people listened for a long while um, to what he had to say. And for some people, that didn't pan out. Um, like like we spoke about earlier, not everyone's going to agree with you. 
Um, and and I think not liking a few people's responses of, um, but that does not explain warrants necessarily focusing on it in a roundtable about broader issues. And let's be honest, Mick, it doesn't have a small audience. He's got almost 11,000 followers on Twitter, so he's got a pretty sizable number of people there who are interested in what he has to say and what he is saying. So, Gaucho, I'll bring you in as well. So again, Mick's comment, and just just to bring it back in, was um, that he wants to see deleted the assumption he's claiming to explain all UFO cases when he's actually only explaining a, a particular case. I mean, I've never assumed that about Mick West. Um, I have to say I paid attention to Mick uh, in the beginning. And then, you know, when some of the theories started coming out, I just, I was over it. Cause first of all, I mean, those videos, in my opinion, where they came from and the people that provided those videos, there are groups that are uh, dedicated to figuring out what that is. And it's kind of funny too, that sometimes we forget that, that these videos that we're seeing, these pictures that we're getting have already been looked at by classified people or people that uh, really know what they're doing. And once we finally see it. So, there's one thing though. So, so you, I don't think we could ever delete that because for him, because uh, people will always disagree with him or see him as somebody that's attacking the UFO subject. Uh, Cause he's very intelligent, right? So he's, he's sort of a force to be reckoned with. It seems, but um, yeah, I guess I'm not sure if we should keep them or throw them in room 101. I think that's the question. Let, let me put this out there, though, then, to any of you who want to answer this, that people, including me and including the three of you, I feel I can speak for here, we don't want Mick to be right in anything that he puts on regarding UFOs and UAPs. Am I, no. am I right? No. I mean, he could be right. I mean, if he were, if he could prove what he's talking about in a in a – in a way that just didn't seem like he was doing, uh, you know, gymnastics, trying to give us a whatever ex- excuse he can give us to try to prove it's not a UAP, then yeah, definitely. But that that's the danger with a person like Mick West being so intelligent and being a, a skeptic at the same time. It's like you can somehow turn into a blind skeptic. And I feel like in this case, with the case that we're talking about, Right, because like like I said, I don't think he's trying to disprove the whole UFO topic. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think because he had such an influence and he was such an integral part of the early days of the, like the PlayStation games with Tony Hawk, Bruce Gator, and the physics, the actual physics involved with <laughs> that kind of thing. I think he's approaching it from a bit of a clouded view. And I'd encourage him to get in touch with me and say I'm wrong. But I think, 
you know, I think he's applying video game physics to his explanations. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> that was a good one, Dave. Sorry. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm just going to ask the three gents, and once again, thank you, Mick, for your submission. Like I said, and I was very honest, this isn't me pandering to anyone. I asked Mick because I I feel it's, it's he's got a valid place to, to come in in a, a, a subject in a, a conversation like this, uh, and it's a good place for him to do it. Um, I don't agree with most of what Mick West tries to do or debunk. I can appreciate aspects of it, especially we talked earlier on about you know, the scientific method not being necessarily the right one. And maybe this isn't quite the out-of-the-box thinking I was thinking of when we were looking at, you know, studying UAPs. Yeah, like I say, the, the, the soap on the rope over a pond to display whatever it was he thought he was showing, I don't quite see the relevance in that. Like you say, if, if you take out the the Top Gun pilots, so yes, we know humans can make mistakes, but there's hundreds of them, thousands of them, tens of thousands. If you take out the technology, the multi-multi-million dollar technology, which, yes, again, is not infallible, all the volume of incidents, there's just far too much that's left to the side when Mick and others like him try and break down the cases that they're trying to break down with little, it seems, and I'll put a Neil deGrasse Tyson in with this as well, who's something I discussed recently with Micah Hanks, or Micah Hanks, where it's just a case of, do you know what? You don't seem to want to acknowledge at all the possibility that these might be something that we we haven't encountered before. This might be something that's not easily explainable. And at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but seagulls are not the explanation for what was in those videos Flocks of seagulls were not the explanation. Hypersonic, cold flocks of seagulls were not the explanation for what was in those videos. And it's not what happened on those events. Too many people have came forward from all different angles and points of view to say otherwise. So I'm going to ask, gents, starting with Dave um, and your love of the Tony Hawk series. I remember using it, playing it back in the day myself. I wasn't a big skateboarder, but I used to use the cheats. And um, yeah, oh, I used to love doing loads of the yeah. I used, I used to do a lot of that. Yeah, that, that, I, do you know what? It worked. I mean, it, it, the physics were a bit off, but that was fine. That's that's why you cheat. So, uh, Dave, I'm going to ask you: uh, Can you tell me are you keeping or consigning to Room 101 uh, the assumption that Mick is explaining all UFO cases when he tries to debunk? No, I don't think he's trying to explain all cases but i do think he's made a rod for his own back however we need people like Mick because occasionally he is right i i, I see I've, i i think that's a valid point yeah gaucho you know i was hoping to go last on this one so i could be like the defining like okay i'm just gonna go with what the guys are saying here because this one's a <laughs> complicated one because uh, i am a huge fan of the original tony Hawk game as well it's probably like one of my favorite games of all time. So I think because it's Christmas and because, you know, I want to start 2021 off on the right foot. And maybe, you know, you never know. Uh, you know, 2020 couldn't get any worse. So let's just keep Mick West. I'm going to go with the, the Dave. Dave's being, I think he's giving me a good example of what a good person is. So I'm going to keep Dave. 
I mean, keep Mick West as well. <laughs> yeah, we would never be keeping Dave. And, yeah, uh, keep Dave in. Sorry. <laughs> and Dan, what are you going with on this one? Um, I, I feel that since the other two guys are keeping and that my vote here isn't really making a big difference as, as a show of the, the spiritual feel of the moment, I'm going to abstain. <laughs> There is no option to abstain. There is a, a keep or, a, or a consigned room 101. I'll keep it then. Through, <laughs> through gritted teeth, we have a, a clean sweep of keeps. And listen, all joking aside and personal feelings aside and all that, I agree with what Dave did say, though, about we do need people like Mick West, who's clearly intelligent, who can yeah. give another point of view, a different side of an argument, that it's almost a way of keeping your own emotions and your hopes in check a little bit, that you don't get too excited. Because at least it does open up some time. You, for example, that, that recent picture of what may be the Myler balloon or, or not, someone like Mick will very quickly put a dampener on it and it can be seen that way, or it can make you st- take a step back and go, right, actually, two seconds, is this something unidentified or is it something much more explainable? I do look through people like that's timeline to see what even their followers are suggesting because they have far more skeptical people than them making other suggestions. And like I say, at the end of the day, listen to everyone's suggestions, listen to everyone, listen to everyone's advice, listen to everyone's opinions, but make your own decisions off the back of it. And that's it. And Mick can't make people decide what they think or shouldn't be able to. And he doesn't, seem to try to do that people have to make their own decisions at the end of the day and that that goes either way so once again thank you mick for joining in with the room 101 discussion just before we move on to wrap up with uh, going through some of the listener suggestions like i say there will be a bonus show going through any of the suggestions we've not read out today uh, i'm going to ask dan dave and john to bring me their room 101 suggestions and this part of the show it's a, it's a rare one for me. I don't know what they're going to be suggesting for Room 101. Um, I've kind of left it to them. So I don't, I'm going to ask them who wants to start off because this time I get to vote as well. So, Gaucho, yeah. Uh, okay, so what I want to either see if you guys want to keep or throw into Room 101 um, is the idea that this image that we have of the classic gray peeking behind a wall or peeking over a window, this thing that anytime you try to, you know, look at something or you think of a gray, uh, a gray being caught on film, which is obviously most, um, all of them are fake, except people think that maybe skinny Bob isn't right. But, um, and skinny Bob is one of the cases where he's not peeking from behind a wall or a corner. Uh, I feel like it's something we should throw into room 101, in my opinion, because if you look into abduction cases, we know that supposedly they can manipulate your your mind and make you see what you what they want you to see and make you feel comfortable. So this idea that they're little weak, frail beings that hide behind walls uh, when they can actually just walk through the wall and make you see whatever they want you to see and then put you to sleep and put you on a craft and put, bring you back. I think uh, we're looking at strength and and power the wrong way when we look at these beings because we we always try to put them as like these little weak, 
uh, robot kind of android beings that just stumble around and, and take us. So for me, we need to get rid of the concept of the weak, frail, uh, stumbling gray peeking from behind a wall. That needs to go to room 101, in my opinion. And Gaucho, who are you asking first if this is your part of the show? So, Oh, <laughs> uh, why don't you go, Andy? We've been talking this whole time, so. Yeah, Take thanks. So, wow, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on for a start. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I recently there was a video posted online in the last week or so where it was someone in the dark on it looked again it looks like some kind of farm potentially where there's an apparent being in the distance they seem to be on the porch at their front door and they're shining a torch next to their their car or pickup truck i don't know if any of you saw this and it's meant to be some sort of being but it clearly just looks like um a, a child or or someone it doesn't look like an alien it's meant to be, like you say, alien, grey, whatever, mm-hmm. and it's clearly not. And I feel like all of these videos, you're right that that they aren't alien beings. Again, it's one of those. It's it's hard to prove either way because what do one of these things really look like? We don't know. It would be really easy to suggest they're all fake. One of these could, one of these supposed CGIs, one of these supposed fakes, could actually be an alien being. But you're so unsure of what it should look like that you just dismiss it but for me most of these videos are are nonsense and just people looking for clicks views likes comments um i wouldn't even go as far to say it's disinfo i don't think it is i think it's just people getting getting videos online and getting getting clicks and likes and traffic for it so personally yeah I'd, i'd be putting that in room 101 all right perfect <laughs> awesome so who's uh dave why don't you go next and then and then we'll go down all right well when you said about grays peeking around walls and uh red kitchen walls that kind of reminded me of the uh stan romanek yeah. cases and his videos um i mean the first time i saw those videos were on a danny dyer i believe kind of special on the bbc you know one of the bbc3 channel or bbc4 whatever it was but yeah it's kind of we know from popular culture over the last, you know, since Close Encounters of the Third Kind and before that, there has been a depiction, a popular depiction of the image of a grey that is in, you know, kind of burned itself into our minds. Um, and so, like you said, are we seeing what we want to see or are we seeing what they actually are? And I think that's something that was put across in Communion by Willie Schreiber, because he he was never allowed to see their true form. He kind of they were always wearing a mask, so he never he never got to find out whether they were actually what they say they were, or whether it was just what they wanted to see, what they wanted him to see. But I think the Greys there's such a myth. It's almost law. It's UFO law at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we see these three foot high, four foot high beings, grey skin. Um, they're wearing a suit. They're not wearing a suit. They've got these big black almond eyes. And I think that they've just become so ingrained into our conscious that we can't unsee them now. And that's a problem. But when you get people like Stan Romanek 
and the guy from Stardust Ranch as well. Can't remember his name now. Um, killed some greys with a katana. <laughs> with a samurai sword. Yeah. <laughs> well, my in flesh. Yeah. My real. I mean, really, what I was trying to get at was. Do you guys think that they're weak and frail? You know, this image of them peeking. Like, why would they ever have to hide or peek? They could just walk through the wall. They could just, like, look at you and go, hey, forget I'm even here. Why would they yeah. ever do the Stan Romanek thing? Or Exactly. I mean, you got all these abduction cases where they stand around your bed and they incapac- incapacitate you. Yeah. And, yeah, you've also got other stories of people actually fighting back and they punch it right in the face and their eye lenses come out and there's a biological... Um, you know, like a um, cyborg skeleton underneath, like Terminator or whatever. But, I don't know. It's tough. I'd rather they weren't seen as frail. But then if they are us from the future and they are coming back to get our DNA, as so many stories tell us that that's what they're going to do, then I think we have to kind of consider it. Okay. But as a, as a frail being, it's difficult because we are the frailest mammal on this planet, if you think about it. That's true. Before Dan comes in, I'll just quickly add in that I, I don't think any being that can do, whether it's like second generation clone or AI or some biological sort of clone, when can do what they can do and has the technology that they, they purportedly have, that they would need to hide peak or scurry, I think it would be meticulously planned what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so anything to show otherwise for me, not room 101. All right, Dan. I, I agree with the other two guys, <clears throat> um, to be honest. Um, when I think of the grey, I think of anything but fragile I think if if I was walking, like the video that Andy described, if I was, you know, walking somewhere and I saw one behind a wall peeking, I think I'd instantly think, okay, what's that a distraction from? And look 180 degrees the other direction. <laughs> Just because I, I swear I would be thinking, are they projecting something and they want me looking there at this frail thing? Because I know that I'm not a threat to that. So why do we depict them that way? Um <clears throat> If it, like you say, if they can do those things, come to walls, take us in the dead of night, stop us moving, wipe our memory, implant screen memories, all these things, then they, they're just not going to be fragile, cowering things from behind corners. So, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. Room 101 there. So, John, we're, we're binning your, your room 101. We are consigning with a green with you. We're getting rid of that one. Awesome. I like it. Good stuff. Uh, Dan, do you want to go next? What was your submission for room 101? Sure. Um, my submission for room 101 was basically that in this day and age, there is a, a habit of people wanting to be first to share things whether that's posting it online or, you know, just telling people and kind of leaking out. Um, I mean, we all saw it over the, the Venus announcement would be a good example where we all knew there was an embargo set for Monday and that's when the news was coming out. But all sorts of people were discussing it before it even happened. 
but because of that early discussion, there was no support for proper conversation. So you just end up with a bunch of half truths and speculation that wasn't really worth anyone's time, and you might as well just wait for it to be done properly. So I, I guess what I want to throw into Room One Hundred One is uh, people being more inclined to be first than to than to share information fully and properly. And I will go to Dave. No, there is a big um, hashtag Me First culture I think on Twitter. Not just UFA Twitter, but on Twitter in general. I mean, when the last, the final episode of The Mandalorian aired on Friday, you know, I managed to watch it quite early after broadcast, but as soon as I did and I went on Twitter, there was people sharing pictures of that episode which were basically big spoilers and it, it, it's again it goes back to people wanting attention and they want the clicks and they want the likes and the retweets and all that kind of thing and you know if there's a press embargo like you said about the venus thing then you have to respect if you've got any credibility yourself then you have to respect a press embargo because there's a reason there's an embargo. It's because the proper information will come out at that time. Anything else before that is just conjecture. Nice. Uh, I'll go to John. You know, um, it's a good point that you bring up, and it is sort of been like uh, coming up in on UFO Twitter and on on Twitter. Uh, and I think also it, it always fascinates me when people are like, I had this information first and here I'm like, how did this guy get this information? Who gave him this information? And why would you ever give anyone any sort of information that needed to be kept secret until Monday? Just wait till Monday, <laughs> share it on Monday with everybody. And then don't just be on Twitter sending people things that can't be shared. You know what I mean? Uh, but I agree. I think that's definitely room 101. People need to understand, too, when they receive that information, they need to respect. Uh, they can't just do it for the likes and, and for breaking the news. But I get why they do it. But I also think it goes both ways there. I think the people giving those people the information should also be held accountable in the sense of, like, what were you thinking when you sent this information to that person? Did you really think they were going to not look at their Twitter account? You know, they're just, they got 50 likes last week for sharing something. They're going to want to share this as soon as possible. It trips me out to see that because I'm like, I'm looking at my DMs and I'm like, I don't see any weird information coming in here <laughs> that I can't share. <laughs> but I wouldn't either. It's just like, I have, if you tell me something that you don't want me to share with anybody, I'm not going to share it until you say, hey, man, you can share that. Don't worry about it. It's common sense, you know. But yeah, room 101, 100%. Andy? Yeah, so I'm going to qualify what I'm going to say with, with a statement first. When the time comes that we get a serious announcement from an astronomical society um, or from uh, from NASA or from a government, 
it's not going to be in four days' time at 2pm, we'll have a press conference. It'll be on the day, within an hour, within two hours, and it'll be on every major news network, not on someone's Facebook page. Um, so for me, when we get at this sort of announcement, we keep hoping one of these are, it'll be pretty quick and it'll be major. Um, so whenever I see these now, I tend to think it's going to be some sort of hint at microbial life or some sort of hint that a gas is being formed. And for me, it's it's nice and from a scientific point of view, but it's not exciting given the field I'm interested in and this topic of ufology. Um, you're right that there's there's too many people. I mean, I would, I would love for someone to tell me something and say, look, I'm going to come on your podcast and, and talk to you about it first. That would be great. But I agree that if something's embargoed, if there's information shared with me that I'm told, look, keep this to yourself, then I would certainly do that. Um, I think it's one way that just because someone tells me something and tells me in confidence doesn't mean they've not told five or six people that. And it only takes one of those people to break that confidence for some likes or clicks or shares on their YouTube or their Facebook page or their, their Twitter account, then that, that destroys the source that I potentially have that I'm going to as well. And I find that can be really disappointing, um, especially with some of the news that's leaked recently. You, you don't want someone to think that it was you that put it out there. So yeah, for me, when people do get news shared, unless it's been explicitly told they are the person that can break that news, then they should be keeping that to themselves as well. So I, I, I would room 101 that, absolutely, yeah. Nice. <clears throat> I think I think that's a full hatch, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Cool, yeah. in it goes. Not the first thing you go. <laughs> no, <All right>. no. <laughs> and our last possibility is Dave. So take it away, Dave. All right, well, I'm going to take the pin out of the grenade and I'm going to throw Roswell in there. <sighs> oh, the TV series on sci-fi. No, nor the reboot. <laughs> I'm going to throw the Roswell incident into Room 101 because I think it needs to be put to bed. We are no clearer to working out what the hell was going on back in 47. If anything, extraterrestrial actually happened from 47 to the late 70s. There was nothing from that initial press release. It came out and went global. There was nothing. There was no whispers. Well, there was the occasional couple of whispers. But until um, Charles Berlitz and William Moore's book came out in the late 70s, there was nothing about the Roswell incident whatsoever. Now, that is either one hell of a hush-up campaign or that's a disinformation campaign because someone wanted it to come out. Now we have Project Mogul, we have crash test dummies, we have um, experiments on mental patients or Japanese children from, you know, the local POW camps, which have, all these theories have been posited. But at the end of the day, apart from Jesse Marcel, who may or may not been part of that disinfo campaign or told to keep whatever he saw quiet, we have had no clarification about what it was up to this point, 73 years later. So I think we should just put it to bed because there's better cases that we can look at with better evidence 
that we should be concentrating on. So I think we just leave it where it was. And I'd like to get Dan's opinion on that. I need to ask a question. Yeah. That's if I put Roswell in, do I have to get rid of that future armor episode as well? No, absolutely not. Because that, that explains no, the grandfather paradox. Down. Yeah. Cool. Fine. And you can um, keep the reboot of the TV series if you want to. That teen drama. That no, you that so can love. go. That can go. I just want that one twenty-five minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? When when you started that. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like you know I can see where he's coming from but I think it's like one of the original sins but by the end you'd convince me and I think <laughs> I think I I'm totally with you on wanting to put that in room 101 now because you're right we're we're no closer yeah. all we have is speculation maybe one day someone will come out like you know Obama talking to um oh what's the guy's name Colbert um oh, Colbert Stephen Colbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one day in a situation like that, someone will spill something. But we're just waiting on that to happen. Um, and like you say, there are also better crash retrieval cases and things like that. So I, I feel like you convinced me on that one, Dave. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to no, say that. I didn't, I didn't say uh, crash retrieval cases. I just said there's better cases. Uh, well, I'm saying that. Mm. So, yeah, I, I'm going to put it in. Wow. <laughs> you convinced me. Wow. We convinced the, the great at the signal. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, you know, I felt exactly the same. That's funny. Dan, Dan said exactly how I was feeling as well. I was like, wait a minute. How are you going to put Roswell in room 101? <laughs> and then as you started... You know, breaking it down, I mean, when's the last time I even looked into Roswell? I don't even know. It's been years, probably, <laughs> other than maybe looking at the the supposed Roswell I-beams um, or, like, look, looking at some something for a, a video. Uh, it's been a long time. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, there are better cases nowadays, and we don't want to keep – you know, going in circles, trying to figure something out. We need to look to the future and try to figure out some of the new stuff that we have here uh, that we can work on. So yeah, room one one I didn't think I was going to say that, but yeah. No. Wow. I mean, I equate the Roswell case to be like um, England winning the World Cup in 1966. Every couple <laughs> of years, it gets brought up and it gets hyped up. Um, yeah. But we're still no clearer to actually <laughs> surpassing that. Or, um, no, sorry, not surpassing it, but we can't erase the memory of Roswell. It always kind of, it's that big elephant in the room that we just can't get rid of. So, Andy, what do you think? So, I've said on the podcast myself that there, a few times now that um, I feel that three years ago things stopped and took a different direction with the, mm-hmm. the New York Times article. Well, actually, it was a couple of days ago. It was the third anniversary. Um and that the the new Roswell as such was the Nimitz-Princeton case. Um, and I think more will come from that. If I'd had the option to park Roswell 
I would have gone for that, but that's a Dan thing to do, and that wasn't an option. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say you're, keep. You're being just like me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. It's, I'm going to remind you of this. <laughs> I know. I, I can't even pull you up for this now. Um, but I, I'm going to keep because I honestly feel if things with TTSA and the UAP task force go the way I hope they go, I think one of the when we get to the point, and I'm not saying disclosure or that 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 point where we know what's happening, but when the government opens up and the way I think it's going to eventually a little bit more, I feel one of the first things they'll go back to is Roswell. And I think that would be one of the first things they bring up that, okay, we did find something. We're talking we're looking at these UAPs and we're looking at these craft that are performing these maneuvers now. However, in 1947, we did find something. We don't necessarily know what, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think it still be, would be one of the first things they would go back to, and I think that that's how they would progress the conversation a little bit with the with the general public. Um, Is that even though that they released the US Air Force released two separate reports saying it wasn't a crash flying saucer? Yeah. Because the, the, because the first thing they said was that, that it was. Yeah. But and then they went, oh, wait, 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 wait. Nope, it's not a flying saucer. I know. I mean, I'm with you. I hope that I'm wrong, proved wrong. But at this I, moment I think... time, we need to leave. We need to put it to bed and focus on other things because we keep I think in nine, uh, Yeah, I think in 1947, they had no idea what they were doing. I think they panicked. I think they announced what it was. I think mm. they quickly went back on it. And I think from there, a lot of things were made up on the fly, on the spot. And I think they're a whole lot better at these things now over the last 70 years. Um, but yeah, for me, there's still a romantic thing with it. I fully agree that we've moved on from it. But I, I, I think we'll go back to it one day. So I, I would I would keep even though my vote is two to one. Yeah, it's futile. Yeah. Does that mean England are going to win another championship one day? Don't make me pull no. podcast host or see you triple my vote. Absolutely not. Listen, gents, thank you very much. We have recorded now for over three and a half hours. Um, so I just want to record. Uh, absolutely, yes. I can't feel my feet anymore. Um, <laughs> So I want to just bring up some of the, the listeners' uh, Room 101s and I'll ask each of you your thoughts, just one one pair, one pair uh, 101. So the first one uh, I'm going to give to Dan. Uh, Craig Labadi uh, from Patreon uh, is one of the first Patreons of the show. Thank you very much, Craig. He would send a few things to Room 101, but his main thing that I've picked out would be the cruise ship con vultures. So there were a few people mentioned earlier on by Dave and his rhyming slang uh, that are trying to sell things to UFO believers. Um, he calls them the old guard, the people who are making the money off of this. Um, and potentially preying on a more vulnerable person, he would send those to Room 101. So on that one? Room 101, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I totally know what it means by the cruise ship. Uh, 
folk and yeah get in room 101 there's, there's no place for grifting people out of cash in this conversation so human the world centipede. is changing yeah human centipede <laughs> uh gaucho uh, Dave Smethurst, again, one of the newer patrons to the show. Dave sends me a lot of correspondence via email, ufouapam at gmail.com. Please, people, get in touch. Um, the biggest thing he would like to send to Room 101 is the phrase, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. He doesn't feel that's true anymore. Um, because Carl Sagan said it and it sounded good, people miss the fact it deliberately stacks the deck against any claim that's outside of the usual experience. What's your thoughts on that one? That's a good one. Uh, he's he's kind of right, though, because I hear that thrown around a lot when it's like uh, everyone uses that phrase, I feel like, when they're trying to prove that something isn't real or something isn't like, a, I don't know, UFO case doesn't have any data. They always say that. And I actually don't like when people use it. It kind of gets on my nerves um, when I see it, like, tweeted, right? I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, this is not real. So extraordinary claims destroyer. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to throw it in room 101 just for fun. And I, I, I feel I feel like that that's in keeping with earlier when we talked about the if you go with the legal method of probability rather than scientific method that probably fits in well there. Um, yeah. And Dave, the last one is uh, one of the listeners, Tara. Again, she's been a patron of the show for a long time as well. She's always getting in touch. Uh, thank you very much, Tara. She wants to put room one hundred one the word disclosure. She feels we've had it already, but for you, would you put? disclosure and the concept in room 101 yeah okay folks that's not (laughs) (laughs) no there's no discussion about it it's not disclosure we need anymore it's confirmation and it has been for a long time so yeah disclosures 101 it's ashes i like it folks we're going to call it a day there. Call it a night, call it a day, call it an afternoon whenever you are listening to this show. Thank you very much to Undead Gaucho. Please check out his YouTube channel, subscribe, check out his Twitter account as well. Check out Dan's, I don't know, Dan's Redbubble store. Uh, check out my Dan stuff. at the Signal. Yeah, check Behold out his stuff. stuff. Yeah. Behold the stuff, buy some of his stuff. Um, <laughs> he's just buying his third mansion off the back of his patch sales. So, yeah. Unless it's sized. Yeah, his third Lego-sized mansion, his Mandalorian mansions. So, yeah, but <laughs> folks, yeah, check out Dan's uh, Redbubble store. The new patches are very, very cool as well. And Dave, Shadows Your Mind magazine. Again, thank you very much, Dave. Uh, check out the latest issue with the Rendlesham special. A lot of really cool material in there as well. And it'll give you some viewing suggestions in his top 10 alien shows to watch on TV. Once again, folks, uh, that is all from me for almost for this year. I've got an interview with David Clark coming up in the next couple of days on Rendlesham's 40th anniversary where I'm asking for your questions to be submitted. So we don't don't just do a rehash of the story. That's been done many times, expertly done in the recent Shadows of Your Mind magazine issue as well. And I'll be quoting that on the show. Uh, the, the timeline of it anyway. You, you, you'd put the Rendlesham. Dave's giving us a funny face here as if I got that wrong when I literally read it a few hours ago. <laughs> it's a late hour, folks. But thank you very much for listening. And once again, see you in the new year, folks.
that is all for this week's show thank you very much for listening please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform you can like retweet and subscribe that would all be very much appreciated the shows are being uploaded onto youtube as we speak more and more you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that ufo podcast to access the shows ad free as well please get in touch on twitter facebook instagram that ufo podcast of course on twitter it's at ufo uapam and again folks as always keep looking up you never know what you might see it wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer more like a hubcap designed by chaucer a little baroque and quite steampunk like alice was playing bass for the parliament of the little fucker hovered right outside of my window and when i shoved out the screen he made it an issue i don't think he expected me to see his ass but i'd had some champagne and smoked a Thank you.